That fiddle, son, just tearing it up, son. It's so good, man. We are so thankful for you being here. Welcome back. We are in a series called No Regrets. Having a little fun with it. And I have asked people to send in their pictures of their tattoos. So remember, you can still do that. I'll put it on the screen, tell the story. And there's always a story with the tattoo. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Let's look at a few good. Here is my boy Ryan Simpkins, Matthew 530. Sometimes scriptures go in, there's always something to it. So I'm so thankful when y'all share those stories. People are filling my email box with them, justin at thesimplechurch.tv. And then Colby sent this one in as well, just about releasing and letting go of a lot of stuff. An amazing story. Thank you, Colby, for sending it in. But probably my favorite of the week, we were at Olive Garden this past week eating, and our waitress comes up, and I see her tattoo, and I said, oh, man, that's really cool. And then she's like, well, I go to Simple Church, and she's telling me all this. I'm like, hey, that's cool. Her name's Madison. And I'm like, well, what's the story? And she said, well, it's kind of a heavy story. I'm like, what's that? She's like, well, I was a cutter. I actually was going through a dark time in my life and was cutting myself. And now that I've gotten to a better place, trusting the Lord and church, trying to do the right thing and getting my head right, counseling, doing everything you're supposed to do. She goes, I decided to cover it up with something beautiful, you know, and I thought, man, what a beautiful story and a beautiful reminder. So can y'all give her some love for sharing it? Because that takes some guts to even, especially in Olive Garden, you know, you're getting your food, you know, she wants to tell you all that and you're being vulnerable in that kind of a place. It just meant everything to us that she would share that story. And then also, as we walk through this, cool stories like that, but then there's also people that have some regrets and they're like, I don't like my tattoo. And that's why we're excited about the partnership with right here. Tap and Zap Laser Spa, and we are getting rid of a tattoo for you. They are such a great company, been so good to us and so kind. But if you have a story of one that you'd like to remove, then we would love to help you out. But you got to submit it to Evan, and then we'll tell a story. I'm going to be honest with you. Stories have been kind of heavy, honestly. It's like, wow, you know, one girl, uh, not so heavy, but still needs to be addressed. If she had put tattoos all over her hands and she's trying to get a job, and it's hindering her ability to get a job, Others are much heavier than that, and we'll draw, and we'll tell you who the winner is and what the story is, but if you are someone who has a story and you need some help getting one removed, this is a great company, and we're going to give it away thanks to them. They're partnering with us to make it happen, so we're excited about that. And on regret of tattoos, my brother-in-law, Matthew, oh, Matthew, I don't even want to say Michael. All right, here is his picture right here, all right? Now, we joked about it because we've been married 25 years, me and Angie, and early on, this is one of the funny stories in our relationship because Michael comes out and he's like, hey, man, I got a tattoo. We're out on the lake at this point. I'm like, well, what is it? Let me see it. And he pulls it out. I'm like, ugh. You know what I'm saying? That's been a long time ago. Forgive me. And we joke about it. He's, I was like, what does it mean? He's like, hey, man, this is the duality of man, bro. I'm like, it's, two, it's a sun and a moon. He's like, yeah, but don't you feel it? I'm just telling you now, we laugh hard about it now. And Michael, I think we ought to get you in the category of possibly getting rid of it. But maybe you have something funny, a relative, a friend, or a personal story. Please send it in. We'll have a little fun with it. And then also, we'll try to help you out. As we have been in the series, it's not just about tattoos. It is obviously about regrets. And so I did some research. Every time I go into a series, we try to pull things up. 
And one of our goals when you come in here is obviously to give you the scripture, to lead and guide you through the Bible and kind of help you understand, uh, you know, the God perspective of things. But also, I want to be a source that you don't have time to go research this. You don't have time to go figure all this stuff out. So when you come in, I'm going to pull in culture and, you know, pictures and movies and videos and all this stuff to go, all right, I got it. I can wrap my head around this and learn something today. So what did I do? Found this on the internet. This is from Today's Show. How to live life without major regrets. Eight lessons from older Americans. So they went to people in their 70s or their 80s and asked them about regrets. As the older they you know, got, they looked back and were reflecting some very interesting things. And while I was on that trail, I ran across this video. And believe it or not, young kids have regrets as well. So we're going to start with five years old, which is always kind of light and kind of fun. But then as it moves into the elder days, you know what I'm saying, our elders, they have a different perspective. And we found a great video that will help you understand why we're going to talk about this whole idea of regrets. Watch. What is your biggest regret? I went to the playground and I want to go again today. Getting angry at my family sometimes. Probably not trying as hard and uh, when I was younger with grades. I regret taking myself too seriously when I was in high school. Not getting to know my father more before he died. My uh, parents got me tickets for uh, Christmas to see Sweeney Todd. I denied the tickets and my best friend went with another friend. I kind of regret that. I should have seen that musical with her. See, I have many regrets, but I am where I am because of them, so I wouldn't change anything. I tried to live without regrets. I think everything that I've done has been for a purpose. Not staying single longer. Not keeping in touch with people I probably should have kept in touch with. Not listening to my self at times in life when I should have. I can't say I have any regrets. That I didn't get sober sooner. I regret not joining the Peace Corps when I graduated from college. Not having followed my dream to be an entertainer when I was younger. I do regret that I didn't think I'd be a good parent. I needed to be in a position where I, I had to file for divorce because I think that affected my daughter greatly. I think that was the only choice I had, but somehow I wish that could have been different. That I would have known when I was younger what I know now. That I didn't do all the things that I wanted to do, like going into acting much earlier. <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to anything in those videos, but as you see from the youngest age all the way to people in their mid-70s, there's all of these different perspectives. So as I continue to go down this rabbit trail of understanding regrets, ran across another article, Older People's Biggest Regrets. Now what made this article different, these were people that were 90 years old or above. So the older we get, they have a different perspective. And now I'm going to give you the top five things they regret looking back at their life. Now, they're not all from a biblical perspective, although a few of them are. There are still things that we can learn from it. Number one, and this is a big one, I cared too much about what others thought. Now, this is interesting because at 90 years old, remember, there's no social media, there was no internet, none of those things were going on. But yet here they are still looking back and going, I was still too worried about that. One of them quoted this, it's only when you realize how little other people are really thinking of you in a negative sense that you realize how much time you spent caring and wasting energy worrying about this. Now, think about this. 
This is one of these concepts that as you get into your 90s, you're like, they're looking back and going, man, I was really thinking everybody was worried about me, and I spent a lot of time on that, and I wasted a lot of time. Well, there is a biblical concept that goes along with this. This is in Proverbs 29. Check out what it says. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you, but if you trust the Lord, you're safe. It's this idea that if we're not careful in our culture and our society, we put a lot of weight on, do they care? What are they thinking? What's going on? And that's messing a lot of people up. They look back and go, I wish I wouldn't have done that so much. Number two is they did not travel enough. They look back and go, man, I wish I'd have traveled more. I can say that going to Juarez just a couple of weeks ago, there is something special about getting out of the country or going on a trip with your family or your friends because in the process, you can experience things that you wouldn't experience here. Look what it says. It can be done at any age. This is a 90 years old perspective with kids or not many, right? They don't think of themselves of it, but all kinds of reasons of why you don't. Lacking money, mortgage, kids, etc. but you can still do it. But when I look back at my life and I was raising our kids, I remember we were like, we can't do it with these kids now and we can't do it because we're paying for this. But I look back and wish that I had, and I'm not near 90 yet, but I can relate to that. Number three, I worked too much. This is it. Not enough time with loved ones. I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but I can. I get it. And at 90 years old, as they look back, they reflect on it and going, man, I wish, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time at work. I would have spent more time with the people that I care about. It's easy to let that time slip away, but once it's gone, you can never get it back. Does anybody agree with that? Let me hear you out there. You know, as you, old, as you get older, you start realizing, like, man, it's gone. I can't get it back. So you don't want to look back with those regrets. Number four. I was afraid of changing jobs. Now, with the pandemic and the way things shook out in the last few years, a lot of people have changed jobs, but there's still a lot of truth in this when you read this next quote. It's so easy to be seduced by a stable salary, a solid routine, and a comfortable life, but at what expense? It's this idea that I'm fearful. I'm not going to take this step because, man, I don't know what it's going to look like, and they miss. You heard it on the video. Many people say, I wish I'd have pursued that. I wish I'd have pursued this career or that career. But then the number five thing is that they worried too much. Now, as a 90-year-old looking back on their life, 90-plus, they're going, man, I spent way too much time worrying. I love this quote, life will have its ups and downs, but looking back now, I have to acknowledge that worrying didn't help a bit. Now, can I get an amen on that? We've all been there. Every one of us in here, we worry too much. Every one of us spend too much energy and too much time. But these 90-year-olds, imagine what they went through. Think about it. You're talking about World War uh, II. You're talking about the Vietnam War. You're talking about all kinds of circumstances. M you know, depression, money up and down. I mean, they've been through it, and yet they look back and go, man, I spent way too much time worrying about all of these different things in this world. Matthew 6, 34, another biblical principle says, so don't be anxious about tomorrow. If we're all honest, man, that's a great truth, but difficult to apply but here's the part that we really need to focus on. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. So for all the old people, I'm going to go back in time for you. For all you young people, you'll go, what is this? We'll talk about it. Watch. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. 
If you're in this room, young person, and you heard somebody singing along, they're old, okay? <laughs> just, just telling you right now. But when you have a skinny microphone, it's old, all right? But here's the thing. Old song, but I grew up with it, and it's still true. It's this idea of going, all right, look, I can't worry about yesterday. It's gone. I got to take this thing one day at a time. And 90 plus, as they're looking back, they're like, man, why did I worry about all this? Matthew 6, 25, I tell you not to worry about your life. Don't worry about having something to eat, drink, wear, in life more than food and clothes. And if you think about it, maybe that's our problem. When you start looking at me, you start thinking about what we eat and drink and wear. In our current culture, it is interesting that we take pictures of our food, we post our outfits, you know. It's very weird. Instagram, Facebook, whatever app you're on, it's this idea. I went to Two John's last night, look at my meal, you know. And everybody's like, oh, man, I wish I could eat that. Oh, my gosh, why didn't I do that? Oh, then you go to a friend's house, and they're drinking real Coke, and you're drinking Shasta. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? <laughs> dude, when I grew up, dude, this Shasta was the hit. So in my house, it was like, man, we got Shasta. We go to somebody else, they had real drinks. We're like, they're drinking Sprite. They're drinking Coke, and you got Shasta. I remember. There's some of you right now, even when you're walking in, you look at people's outfits, you know what I'm saying? You're growing up like, you know, ooh, Gucci. I said Gucci. She got a Gucci bag on, right? We all worry about it. We go to the closet. We worry about what, what are they going to think or what's this going to happen? And then many of us in here, we're not Gucci. We goodwill. Can I get an amen on that, right? <laughs> so you start figuring out. You're like, man, no, I feel you. Well, there's only two environments that I can distinctly remember because we didn't have internet. I mean, we didn't have any social media growing up. That I worried about my clothes in. One was church. Why do we care in the similar church? We don't care what you wear as long as you wear something. Can I get an amen on that? Why? Because, man, when I grew up, everybody was trying to put on their best and they put on this outfit and everybody was looking around. Oh, well, they were all fancy. We didn't have no money back then. My mom and them, but we were still stressed about it. So I hated that stress. So that's why in similar church, we don't care, man. Just come on. But then the second environment was school. Man, we didn't have uniforms. When you walked in, you were just hoping you had the right shoes, the right pants, whatever it was. And I'm even talking elementary. I'm going to go old school on you. All right? You ready? Old school. Anybody remember this right here? Tough skins? Yeah, you old. No, you and me. You know, right? Here's the reason why. It's because everything had a brand and it was Nike or whether it was Levi's or whatever. But this is the whole thing. It even started in elementary. One of my friends was talking with Keith. We went backstage. He goes, man, I had tough skins. I loved them. I'm like, I remember. That's, that was part of the culture in the 70s. And here we are now, so many years later, and now we're posting pictures of it. So we begin to, in some weird way, compare. And this is what had me this week. This is what created the idea for this week. No regrets equals really no comparing. If we could get rid of comparison, and it's kind of like that scripture, we're worried about what they're eating, we're worried about what they're wearing, we're worried about all these different things, but boy, in our culture today, this is what robs us of a lot of time. We worry about it. We get consumed by it. And there's really four main areas that we compare. I find myself doing it. I know you do as well. Try to learn from it. Number one is in our possessions. Cars, houses, clothes, salary. We're always like, what do they got? What do I got? Oh my gosh, if I had what they had. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It's a part of our culture, which begins to rob you of time and energy. You begin to just feel less than. You don't feel as worthy. You feel like, oh my gosh, if I could do this. And then next thing you know, you've wasted a lot of time working too much and you regret that you didn't spend time with the people you love. Number two is appearance. 
I mean, man, I used to have hair. It's gone. My body used to be skinny. It's fat. Y'all understand? Some of you don't like your eye color. Some of you don't like your skin tone. Some of you don't like your muscle tone, whatever. I got biceps, son. I ain't worried about that. But here's my point. Look at this little image that I'm going to put on here. When you look at the culture that we currently live in, what impacts the way we feel about looking at ourselves? Well, sometimes it's social media, TV, movies. I mean, sometimes it's people. You look at all these things. And the top two of both men and women is social media. Right now, if I am honest with you and transparent and tell you that I'm not on Facebook or Instagram, but I am looking at TikTok now, and the China been got me, all right? I'm in. Because, dude, once it's in, you get addicted to it. And you know what comes up? Because I'm fat, and maybe somehow it knows that I'm fat, and it'll be like, lose weight now, lose weight now, fatty. You are fat, you know? Here's the latest this. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I'm like going, hey, man, how are you seeing me, man? What's going on? And the next thing you know, you begin to worry, get consumed, spend time, energy, and maybe money you don't have to try to figure it out. It's our culture. Number three, performance. This is what we compare with each other. Is he doing better than me? If it's this job or this sports, if you're a kid, oh, they got this team. I didn't make that team. They scored these goals. I didn't score that goals. Whatever it is, marriage, performance in marriage. They seem to have a better marriage than us or better you know, relationship with their kids. Why are they performing better? All of these things are in our culture. And probably the thing that many of us do is when we start comparing circumstances, good, bad, or ugly. Sometimes it's they have kids, I don't have kids. Sometimes it's they're unhealthy, I am healthy, or reverse. Why am I the one that's sick and they're wealthy, you know what I'm saying, and healthy? So from money to the way they feel, and all of these areas begin to just overwhelm us. And if you want to look back with no regrets, as you look and learn from old people, you will see that this comparing thing gets all of us. Somebody say, okay, I kind of get it, but what's the big deal with comparison? I mean, it's just kind of our culture. Well, let's go back to the scripture again. Probably not going to know where to find this on your own, but maybe this will help you. Second Corinthians 10. We do not dare to compare ourselves. Well, there's a pretty clear explanation. Don't dare to compare. Why? Because when you measure yourselves or you find yourself comparing yourselves, you're just not wise. There's no wisdom in it. Now, this is written thousands of years ago. And in this long lineage of the scripture of people smart and learning and walking through and trying to help us follow Christ and be more Christ-like, he's like, listen, the church, people in general, the world, we have a temptation to compare him versus her and this versus that and whatever. And he's like, man, it's just not wise. Don't do it. But what is wise is that if you're going to do anything, you need to listen and learn from those that are older than us. It's not comparing yourself to them. It's like saying, hey, you've listened. You've experienced things. What can I learn? Because wisdom, as we know, comes with age. So it's not wise to compare yourself, but how do we get wisdom? We listen to those that have experienced more life than us. So I pulled another video. Some of it kind of funny. Some of it, you know, very insightful. These are people 90 years old or older. And they were asked about their regrets. So instead of me telling you, I'm just going to pull the video in. You're never going to find this. And you wouldn't be looking for it. But here it is in this environment, trying to guide, trying to teach, trying to all of us to get better. You go, okay, what are they saying? Notice that what we talked about on the first four things, whether that was traveling or not spending time with family, notice how 
It's not theory that today's show put all those things together. Here is the actual people telling you what you and I can learn from out of their lives. Watch. I always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, get on a mule and ride down to the bottom of Grand Canyon and camp out and look up at all that wall just to see it. And now they've got a glass bridge that you can walk out on and look down. I would love to go up there and just walk on that bridge and see how far it is down to the bottom and get on a mule and ride to the bottom and look up and see how far it is to the top. That's about the only thing I wish I had done that I didn't do. It's, it's tough to say. I've had a very successful life when I worked very hard. I probably neglected my wife too much because I was working so many hours. As much as I loved her, I mean, we, we, did, take, we did take trips, uh, but it, it wasn't, I, I wasn't able to stay home as much as I would like to with her. We tried and tried to have children, we couldn't. We, she had endometriosis and, and she couldn't conceive. But, the, uh, but so we traveled a lot. And, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't the ideal life that most people have. I regret getting married so young. <laughs> I wish I would have been older and wiser. I don't really know of any other regrets that I have. I, I feel like I've led a pretty good life, a full life. So it's a whole lot easier to live a good, honest life than to regret what you've been doing, you know. I need to have friends and family. I need to not be too proud to ask for help if I need it. That's probably the most important lesson that I learned because there for a while I was too proud to ask anyone for anything and I didn't get very far like that. I thought I was very, very important, but I finally learned out I'm not. There's a million other people just as important as I am, but it was hard to admit that I wasn't the big shot that I thought I was. What's interesting to me is like as you listen to these people who have so much wisdom is there are things that you and I, no matter what age you are, can learn and pull from this. There's two points that I'd like to point out in this video that I think are pretty important. One is if you're not careful, when you start comparing yourself to other people, you can be the one that becomes resentful. And what do I mean by this? If you're not careful, like this first guy, remember on traveling, he wasn't resentful by it. He's like, man, let's just wish, I wish I could travel. That was, remember, that's one thing he said. He's like, man, I wish I could do it. Well, if we're not careful, we'll, in this generation, we'll see someone else going to Disney or see, oh my God, they're always at Disney, aren't they? And you begin to get resentful about a family member, a friend, or whatever it is. I'm like, be careful. It can lead to a regret in your life. First Samuel, here's another great reminder. In their celebration, the women sang, Saul has killed thousands, but David tens of thousands. So here's King Saul. He's like, man, he's been a successful king, but here's David doing a little bit more. 
And Saul finds himself, man, I don't like this at all. And he became angry. If you're angry and you don't know why you're angry, maybe it's because you're resentful that you don't have what somebody else has. You find yourself caught in this comparison trap. And the next thing you know, you're losing valuable time and you'll look back with regret. Continues on. He said, David, they claim, I like this, tens of thousands, but only thousands for me. Next thing you know, they're going to be making him king. So you begin to already play scenarios out in your mind and then watch what happens to Saul. He became very jealous and suspicious of David from that day on. If you're not careful and you will live in this place of jealousy, you won't trust anybody, and you'll look back in the relationships that you used to count on and rely on and could really learn from, you've burnt those bridges. If there's anything from listening to these older, wiser people that you can grab a hold of, here's one good point. We resent God's goodness in others' lives, and we ignore God's blessings in our own life. See, this is why it's so important on a day like today when you're putting all of this stuff together, no regrets, learning from people older, you've got to start going, all right, God, I've got a lot to be thankful for. I've been blessed. So instead of pointing and going, I can't believe they got that and getting jealous of them and all these other things, no, it's like, no, I've got to be thankful for what I have. And not find myself getting caught up in this comparison trap and then becoming resentful. Whether that's family members, friends, coworkers, whatever it may be. The second thing that you'll learn, and the old guy said at the end, which God bless him, is like, if you're not careful, you'll become prideful. And he's like, I finally realized, right, I am not that important. And I'm like, dude, that's funny. At 90 years old, he was like, there are a lot of other people out there doing some good stuff. And I thought, boy, that's a good reminder. Because, boy, in the church... <laughs> Boy, this is where we can really get in a mess. The church is so good at thinking, well, I'm better than them, or at least I'm not where they are. And I'll prove it. We're looking at Scripture, Luke chapter 18. The Pharisee, a very religious person. That's what Pharisees were. They were the leaders. They were the ones that kind of had it all together, quote. They stood alone. They also tried to separate themselves. How many times have you heard, I just couldn't be around them. I had to separate myself from them. Oh, okay. That's cool. Sure, there's some wisdom. You can be got to be careful, but here's where you got to check yourself. He stayed away from the tax collector, and when the Pharisee prayed, he said, Oh God, I thank you that I'm not as bad as other people. <laughs> I'm not like the men and women who steal or cheat or commit adultery. He started comparing himself and he's getting prideful about it. I thank you that I am better. When you think you're better than somebody else, because of your religious behavior or because of the home you live in or the car you drive or the school you graduated from, whatever it may be, color of your skin, I'm better than them. I'm better than this. It's a prideful position. He says, listen, he goes into the list. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. He's just fired up about who himself is. I got all this figured out. Thank God I'm not this person. And this is why I love Jesus because Jesus steps in and drops a bomb on this idea, I am better than somebody. Look at what Jesus says in verse 14. The Pharisee who felt that he was better than others was not right with God. See, he thought he's religious. I'm right. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. He's like, no, no, no. The reason you're not right with God, I don't care if you give your money. I don't care if all those things you've done right. When you view that you're better than someone else, you're not right with God. And people who make themselves important will be made humble. But those who make themselves humble will be made important. See, there's a key component in here. 
And it takes some work to get there. But humility is the key. As you start trying to walk through life and you're trying to figure that out, like, how do I humble myself? What's going on with this? Well, here's the deal. I am not an expert. I mess this up more than I get it right. But there's a couple of things that I'm learning. And I, hopefully you're going to grab a hold of it and you'll learn and apply to your life. And I'm not just saying like you hear it and go, oh, yeah, I get that. No, it's that we actually put it into practice. And you're like, well, what is that, Justin? If you're talking about humbling themselves, how do we humble ourselves? What does that look like? How do we make ourselves humble? What is this whole idea? Well, here's the challenge. In Philippians chapter 2, oh, well, go ahead, you put it up there. Take some time, right? So how do we humble ourselves? Now we'll get to Philippians 2. You got to think of yourself first. You've got to get to the place where right now in here, you're not worried about the person sitting next to you. You're not worried about your spouse, your kids. You're looking at yourself. And if you're going to humble yourselves, what do you do? You have to, as Christ did, are you ready for this? He thought of himself. Think of yourself the same way that Christ thought of himself. Well, how did he do that? When it came his time, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a servant. Man, this is the tough part. Because all of us, be honest, you want to be served. You go to a restaurant, you'll be treated right. We love getting everything done our way. Well, this is Jesus coming in and going, hey, listen, I was in heaven, had everything the way I wanted it, gave up everything, deity, the whole deal, to come to this planet to do what? To take on the humble attitude and lifestyle of a servant. None of us in here really like being treated like a servant. And how you'll know that is when you walk out of here, let someone treat you like a servant. I ain't like, oh, I'm American. You ain't going to treat me that way. I work hard. Ain't nobody going to disrespect me. Blah, blah, blah. We, that's our culture. Jesus comes in and says, no, listen, what I have learned is, is if I don't humble myself, and if I don't take on the form of being a servant, then I miss it. And this is the thing for us. You will look back and regret it as well because the pride will eat you up. Resentfulness will eat you up. You'll start comparing yourself. You'll either think you're better than somebody else or you'll beat yourself up. What he's saying is not humble yourself. Get to the place where you go, all right, here I am. I am thinking of me and I will take on the same status that Jesus did, that of a servant. Continues on when it says it was an incredibly humbling process for Jesus. He didn't claim special privileges. Think about how we do that. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death. Yikes. So what are you saying, Justin? What are you trying to bring across today? Well, here it is. This is for me. Maybe it applies to you. I hope it does. If you're trying to live a no regrets life, if there's anything you can learn from people that are older than you, and more importantly, what you can learn from Jesus is you have to die to yourself and you have to choose to serve others. This is the part that nobody really wants to hear. It's like, well, I don't know about all that. I'm a, I want more money, bigger houses, nicer cars, fancier restaurants. I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. And he's like, no, 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 no. If you're not careful, you're going to get to the place where you're really living in a whacked out world that begins to compare itself and leads itself to an endless, endless rat race that you're never satisfied. And then when you don't get it and somebody else does get it, then you resent them. And then if you do achieve it, and then all of a sudden you look around and you go, man, look at what I've done. Look at what I got. And then the people that are around you and the impact that you can have is very minimal because you missed the whole point. 
of what Jesus came for. He's like, no, listen, I don't want you to live a life of regrets. I want you to look back and go, this is what made it count. Now, a good example. When I came back from Mexico with a group of people, I saw God do things in them in the place of servanthood that that would not have happened in this church service. It don't matter how many times they listen. It don't matter how many songs they sing. It don't matter how many sermons. It don't... There's something special happens when they go, hey, listen, it ain't about me, and what can I do to die to serve in this moment? It can happen today when you walk out here, when you go, hey, listen, we're not going to rush to the restaurant. You're going to teach your kids to take an extra 10 minutes and pack a food bag for a child that's in our city that doesn't have enough to eat. And maybe in that one humble moment of serving someone else, dying to the fact that we got to go eat, I'm burning daylight, let's go, we got to beat the Methodist, let's get out of here. We all know it. We all joke about it. We know this is our world. And we wonder why the world keeps getting so jacked up. It's us. And then we look back and go, man, I don't want to live like that. See, this is why when people ask, well, how am I going to take on this idea of being a servant? Well, this backpack program is one of those ways. That's a fact. That's easy. That's just one thing. When you go, hey, I want to serve others, backpacks one way. But next week, I got good news for you. We're going to throw out a whole other way. And probably an unconventional way for most of you. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. Did he say nursing home? Yep, nursing home. Man, they stinky because I don't know if I can do that. Well, here's the whole point. We were going to have church. We were thinking about coming in and do, uh, they got a big centaur parade and the ball and all that stuff. There was a little bit of conflict. So we were like, hey, listen, man, maybe God's going to push us to do something different. And why it happened is when we were in Juarez, we went into a nursing home. Every year we go down there, we serve in nursing homes. And when we watched everybody serving in the nursing home, there was something happening in all of their lives. And then truthfully, get back, we're like, why do we only do it there? And the truth is we've done it here before. But we don't do it every year. Sometimes we do it around Valentine's Day. But we came back and said, no, man, maybe we should push ourselves to die a little and to serve now. And in this process, throughout the whole Shreveport-Mosier area, now instead of it just being some people that are able to go on the trip, maybe everyone should have that opportunity. Now, the truth is, most of you will probably go, I'm sleeping in that day. I ain't got nothing to do that day. And I'm telling you what you're going to do is you're going to miss it. You will look back and regret the fact that you didn't have the opportunity or you didn't teach your kids about that. And they look back and go, man, I don't have those memories. Instead, they had the memories of just coming to church, walking through the motions, same old, same old. But then now all of a sudden they look back and go, dad, mom, do you remember when we did this? Do you remember when we went and loved on this person? Do you remember when we were able to help and serve this person or that person? Well, I can tell you that I look back at my life. My grandmother was in a nursing home. And I think about how busy I was and how I didn't make time to do it, and it is a regret. And probably I'm not the only one in here. You may have a loved one in a nursing home right now. And the truth is you get busy and things are going on, and we're just like, oh, I'll get it later. Or some of you have never done it, and you don't even know what we're talking about. Well, as you humble yourself and as you go in to serve, I promise you God will teach you something that you'll never learn sitting in a service. And I don't want you to miss the blessing. I don't want you to miss that opportunity. So you go, well, can you prove it, Josh? I'm glad you asked. Glad you're here. Glad you're watching online. Glad you're in the room because this next video 
will give you just a little glimpse of what I'm talking about. Now, when I show this to you, I want you to understand something. This is a young person. This is someone who's like, man, I'm not going to let my age keep me from doing it. Young or old. And in the process, listen close to what she says when she gets to the place of really humbling herself and serving others, what it does for her. Watch. At a nursing home in Northwest Arkansas, we found a gem named Ruby. As we first reported in March, 11-year-old Ruby Chitsy likes to go to work with her mom. Amanda is a nurse who travels to several nursing homes in the area. And it was on one of those visits that Ruby started going up to residents with her notepad. If you could have any three things, any three things, what would they be? What would you want? She came up with this idea of these questions? Yes. With the intention of what? I don't think she had an intention, really. Ruby says she was mostly just curious what they'd say. Were you surprised? Yes, I was very surprised. I thought people would say, like, money, houses, Lamborghini. But instead, here's what she got. Electric razor, new shoes, Vienna sausage. For some reason, a lot of people asked for Vienna sausage and other really basic items. Like, that's all they wanted. And I really decided that I needed to do something. So she started a charity called Three Wishes for hey, Ruby's Residents. I'm going to sit right beside you. Now, while her mom is caring for patients, cheese. Ruby goes room to room. I love cheese. I do too. Jots down wishes. Avocados. And then sets out to grant those wishes. Thank you, sweetheart. You're welcome. Ruby has a GoFundMe to cover costs. But again, no one is asking for a sports car here. Her expenses are minimal, especially compared to the rewards. It really lifts you. It really does. On this day, she came back with a wheelchair full of sausages and other grocery items. You have this huge chocolate pie that you can eat all by yourself. But How make no awesome. mistake, this that isn't about looks. food. Watermelon and oranges. No. no one has this kind of reaction over fresh fruit alone. It's okay. Thank you so much. I can't believe it. Whether she knows it or not, Ruby is satisfying some much more basic human needs here. To be remembered, to be cherished, especially by a child. That is what our seniors are truly hungry for, and that is what Ruby brings every time she sets foot in a nursing home. And now, it's not just her. Since we first told this story, Ruby has helped start chapters of her charity in other states. She speaks to advocates for the aging, and of course, she is still very much hands-on, proving no one needs a Lamborghini. You know, I'm a hugger. When they've got home delivery mm -hmm. of all the happy they can handle. Steve Hartman, On the Road, near Harrison, Arkansas. Come on, y'all. I don't know if you heard it or not, but hear what she said. She said, it lifts you up. She decided to do something, and it lifted her up. You came in here today hoping to be lifted up. You came in today, you turn on the TV, you're watching computer, whatever it is, on your phone, you're going, man, I need something today. I am telling you, to live a no regrets life equals really this place of serving. It's not comparing yourself to anybody else. It's not getting lost in, as you said, whether I have a Lamborghini or not. It might just be Vienna sausage, you know what I'm saying? Something pretty simple. And can you imagine if the legacy that you leave when you get to be in your 90s is that 
you taught your kids, your grandkids, your coworkers, your friends how to serve, how to be humble, how to give back, how to not make it about you. It's me. Look at my food. Or, hey man, we just had an opportunity to serve. It was awesome. This is what God did for me. This is what God showed me. And the cool part is when you come to church, at Simple Church, we're not the perfect church. There's a lot of other churches better than us. I get it. But if you're in here, you get this thing that you have an opportunity. We're giving you week after week, month after month, a trip opportunity, a serve opportunity. Why are we going to pack food in the lobby? Because just in that little bit of moment, that's a humbleness, it's a servanthood. It's like, all right, God, use this. And then kids get fed as a result. And then you get to see that end result when you hear a story or you know that it made a difference. A teacher tells you something. And you may not even know till you get to heaven, but can you imagine getting there and somebody goes, man, because you did that, dude, it encouraged me, it strengthened me. It let me know that I was loved and I didn't have any idea where it was coming from, but it came to me through a school lunch. Or maybe, just maybe, by you going to a nursing home, God uses you to do something that you never thought was possible. How's it happen? You got to sign up. Go to the app. Let us know you're coming. When you download the app and you click on there, it's, there's, if there's nursing homes or you got a family or a friend, pull your friends together. Y'all take it on. We're going to do a whole Mardi Gras thing. We're passing out beads. Don Tubbs has donated all these beans. We're taking uh, king cake. Uh, to every nursing station. We're passing out moon pies. Can I get some love on moon pies? I mean, we're going to have some fun. We're going to go in and love on all of these senior adults. And who knows, maybe when you sit in there, maybe you can ask a question. you have any regrets? What did you learn from? What could you teach me today? We're going to do a pre-show live next week from the nursing home. You know that's going to be next level. Me and Angie in a nursing home, son, we're going to be bringing the pre-show. And then we're going to even do a special message. You're not missing out on a sermon. If you can watch online, you can turn in on, tune in on your phone. All of that can happen. But here's the question. When you look at your life, will it be no regrets? Can you get to the place where you die to yourself and you serve others? We're going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to put it on the screen for you right here. You ready? No regrets equals what? Serving. Serving like Ruby. It also equals dying to yourself and serving other people. This is your opportunity. This is your chance. This is your moment. Don't miss it. You can do it out in the lobby when you leave, and you can do it next week as well. Now, the next scripture I have for you, before we get out of here, is found in 2 Corinthians, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if it's up here or not. Maybe it's not. And the whole idea was simply this. You don't have but so much time left. And in the time that you have on this planet, what are you going to do with that time? Now, the reason I may be here, it is 1 Corinthians. The important thing to remember is this, that our time remaining is very short. And so are the opportunities for doing what? For doing the Lord's work. I knew it was 1st, 2nd Corinthians. I can't remember. It might even be in next week's message. I'm giving you a little preview for you. But here's the reason why. As you get ready to walk out of here, what's most important is reflecting on your life and looking back and going, man, I only had so much time and I didn't waste it. And it wasn't just for yourself. It was an opportunity to do something for the Lord. And at the Simple Church, we're giving you that opportunity today and next week. One other thing before we leave. Christy came to me right before this service and she said, hey, man, not only do we need you to help pack some food and go to the nursing homes, but I could use some people serving in the children's area, holding babies. 
And I had a teenager come up to me after the first service and said, I want to do that. So I don't care how old you are. If you want to volunteer and be a part of helping kids right here in our own church, there's opportunities available too. So that when you look back in your life, you can have that memory of going, I died to myself, I served others, and there's no regrets in that. And I don't want you to miss the blessing that comes along with that. I've seen it in my life. I promise you, you will see it in yours. Just trust him. Would you pray with me? Father, as we get ready to walk out of here, and there's an opportunity in the lobby to go help kids that are hungry. Next week, there's an opportunity to love on the, the senior adults in our community. Help us not to miss it. Help us to learn from what you've showed us that it's not about comparing ourselves to someone else. It is about humbly serving you. And when we do that, there's a blessing that comes along with it. We learned that from Ruby. Man, it lifts you up. And I pray that everyone would experience that lift. If there is someone here that has never done it, give them the courage to bring their kids, their grandkids, to get up, not to sleep in, and take 30 minutes and drop in and hand out some beads. And man, love on them, moon pies, and laugh and learn from the older generation and sacrifice and serve a little of our time and just watch what you'll give us back. I know you will, Lord. So thank you again for them tuning in today, for them coming into this room. Help us when we walk out of here to maybe give that extra $5 to help feed these kids, to give an extra five or 10 minutes and pack a bag. And then we'll look back and just know what a difference we made on this planet. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.